Welcome to Justifying the F-Word, episode number three. Huge thank you again to everyone that has downloaded and tuned in and also shared the first two episodes. Yeah, super excited. Um, Really happy all in all that you guys are enjoying it, which makes it a ton of fun for us. Um, just a couple, uh, couple housekeeping items or questions, I should say, that uh, people have kicked out to us. Um, I've had a few people reach out saying, hey, what's your intro song? Our intro song is actually a song I wrote with a band called The Quinn Brown Project. Very creative. <laughs> How about that? How did you ever yeah. come up with that and I name? assure you it's not as narcissistic as mm-hmm. it sounds. Mm-hmm. But uh, big shout out to uh, Studio 14, at Studio 14. Um, that would be Rich Bischoff for recording that. He's also a guitar player in our band. So if anybody wants to check it out, you can check out the Quinn Brown Project on Spotify, iTunes, Google Music, any, any of that stuff. And you can watch a bunch of 40-year-old guys in their bowling league. Hey, but they're all amazing at what they do. So, yeah, party on, Wayne. Yeah, well, this has been a huge week, and we'll dive into all about that. But uh, first off, we've had a lot of questions, and uh, we want to answer those questions. But the first one is, why are we doing this podcast? My buddy Chris reached out specifically, and Chris is a bit of a uh, renaissance man. He's uh, he's a musician. He's a photographer. Does all sorts of cool stuff. I actually did our first uh, album cover or our album cover on our second CD when I was in college with CBE. But uh, anyway, uh, Megan, would you like to explain why we're doing this? Because it might seem like, hey, you guys are kind of like, well, as of last episode, severely exposing ourselves. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, so this this came about. It's actually we've talked about it for years. So Quinn started out. Um, when he was turning 40, we talked about it in episode one about how he started a blog and it was called justifying the F word. You can actually look it up post our years ago, but, um, it was created by Quinn as more of creating a community and a platform for people because it's, everybody reaches a point in their life where they're like, Hey, am I the only one out here? Like going yeah, through this, you start, you start to feel a little lonely. Like, um, shouldn't I feel like I don't fit in like I feel like I'm this age but I feel like I'm 25 inside and I don't want to be doing kind of lame stuff and I want to be getting out there and am I am I just weird yeah and this came to Quinn in the hot tub as most of his amazing Quinn ideas they come to him it's always during hot time time and so we uh refer to it as marination marination yeah Yeah. because you gotta soak in the flavor yes yeah so um he started the blog kind of life happened and then um probably about a year and a half ago we started talking about wanting to do a podcast kind of I wouldn't say a joke, but kind of like, huh, <laughs> that would be funny, you know, to do. And then we started th- talking about hypotheticals of this happening. And then, hey, we should make this happen. Yeah. And what really was the catalyst that pushed, pushed us over the edge was meeting like-minded people. Yeah. We, on um, work trips for Quinn and just people throughout work, just constantly having these conversations. The same conversations. Yeah, over and over and coming back together, being like, oh, I had this conversation today. This is what we discuss all the time. Yeah. And so um, we decided to jump fully in and do this. And it has been awesome and very scary all at the same time. So (laughs) super fun, if you will, creating the F word army. 
and uh, super rewarding. So one of the greatest things that we've had as far as feedback goes is uh, we've had quite a few people say, this really resonates. And for us, that's, that's, that's all we wanted is we wanted a place, a, uh, a proverbial safe place, if you will, for, uh, for folks who are like-minded and feel like, hey, you know what, just because I'm at a certain age, and that age could be 30, it doesn't have to be in your 40s, yeah, it or doesn't, that, yeah. that age could be 70, but it's just saying, because I'm at a certain age, and, and because I feel like maybe I don't exactly fit in with what society would think I should be doing at this age, or what, or, or that maybe you feel a little lost, hopefully this is a good landing spot, so... Yeah. And thank you to everyone that has reached out because like we said, it's scary. It's vulnerable. We're sharing stories. Nakedness. Nakedness. Like last episode, if you don't know, <laughs> then go back to episode two. But, um, and there is been a strong sense of vulnerability doing this. Um, so knowing that, like Quinn said, that there are people where they're like, man, I listened and it made a huge difference. Again, that is why we're here. We're putting ourselves out there and, our, and, and sharing. Our, and our, hopefully you laugh along yeah. the way. And our goal is to be as absolutely stark honest as we can. I mean, is this you stark, like stark naked, no. honest? <laughs> what are we talking about? I just don't like tan lines, Megan. Yeah. <laughs> don't judge me jeez you and your judgy little, little eyes, over eyes. There. you should see me right now i'm just yeah, well, judging him at least you can't see my eyes so yeah there, there you go um so it's been uh quite the week it has been a week it's y'all. been a week so megan has had her uh her arse kicked in a little bit yes so if you are sitting there being like wow i'm feeling old in your 40s you didn't have hip surgery on tuesday so that was my week was, um, I went in, um, I have had this issue with my hip long story short, short is I have a torn ligament. There was too much. I don't know. What did the doc, the doctor told Quinn, everything. Yeah, your tendon had slipped down and your labrum was actually enlarged and, uh, had slipped over the bone. So they had torn. to shave part of my hip bone down um, cut part of the ligament off and then reattach it. So that has been my week right there. <laughs> and I've been a fantastic nurse. So, he has yeah. like my kids. Um, Quinn's mom came down as well. Everyone's like, what do you need? And I told Quinn, I'm like, I need your mom. I need her here. But I think, <laughs> I think the best part about this and you know, we're, we'll probably do this as its own episode, not Megan's hip surgery, but the, like health in general is, you know, when that check engine light comes on in your life, whether that be uh, health, uh, physical health, mental health, um, listen to that and, and do that because this is something Megan's needed to do for years and it's been a fantastic change. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, um, I didn't realize till even after the surgery, how much it was changing. Like I was, I was pulling back on so much of what I love to do because I was like, Ooh, that's going to hurt or I can't do that. And, um, it's crazy from surgery. I mean, I definitely have, had my arse kicked, like Quinn said, but um, I think you can say ass. Yeah, ass kicked. <laughs> um, I feel a million times better than I did in realizing how much I was holding back. So definitely on the road to recovery, and it's going to be a long recovery. But I already know it's it's going to be worth it. So for sure, for sure. So uh, Megan's gimpied up till the tenth of November. You can't walk, right? You're can't not, walk. Yeah, I'm so on crutches. crutches in a wheelchair. So. Yeah. So Halloween. Yeah, she was gonna go as Crutchy from Newsies, but we ran out of time. Yeah, to, uh, <laughs> and then I was gonna go as Lieutenant Dan in a wheelchair, but we ran out of time. Yeah. 
had but, a few had a few things going yeah. on. But uh, speaking of Halloween, um, we kind of had a Ooh. interesting moment. <laughs> uh, so our kids, our our oldest is almost fifteen, our middle is almost twelve, and our youngest is nine. And this was the first year that they all bolted. Like not even, not even one neighborhood. And and I even I even threw it out there. I said I, I talked to my little guy and I was like, "Hey, dude, I'm like, you you want me to roll with you on a few streets?" He's like, "Nah, I'm, I'm good, good. I'm good. I'm good." So uh, it was kind of we uh, we had a Johnny Depp marathon. There was some uh, Sleepy Hollow in there, some Sweeney Todd. Yeah, all the all, all the, the Tim Burtons. Yeah. yeah, Corpse Bride. Anyway, it was a fun night for us, but. Uh, the big thing was our big outing. And you want to explain what our big outing yeah, was? Yeah, so our big outing, and I didn't even know it was going to go down, but um, my mother-in-law brought a wheelchair and I was kind of like, I'm not going to need that because I'm on crutches, like I said. and Crutchy. Yeah, and so we had a wheelchair. And so Quinn said, we have neighbors um, that live across the neighborhood that always do um, like- A it, fantastic soiree, yeah. a spread. So, it was actually a bit of a donut charcuterie. Yes. <laughs> so um, Quinn said, hey, I'm going to go to the Flintons. And I'm like, well, will you wheel me over there? So that was my big outing was going out and Quinn wheeling me across the neighborhood. And the first thing he said was, don't get used to this. And I'm yeah, like, I, oh, could, yeah, I could see I'm her like settling this. right in. And the funny part was people that didn't know that she had her surgery kept asking her and saying, uh, is this real or is this part, <laughs> yeah, of, this part, part of it? Yeah. To, so, yeah. Well, enough about us, right? Enough about us. So today I wanted to talk about what I feel is the uh, secret sauce of success. And this could be your uh, Chick-fil-A sauce. If you live in Utah, this could be your fry sauce. If you're uh, in other regions of the country, it could be your delicious barbecue sauce. Yes. I yes. think there's a couple sauces out yeah. there, right? So You pick your sauce. You pick your sauce. So I wanted to talk about what I feel the uh, secret sauce to success is. And this, this is something that, you know, I think everybody listening has practiced at one time or another, but it has, it really resonated with me this last about year and a half. And the secret sauce, if everybody's ready, are you ready? I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Because this, this is going to blow everybody's mind. Uh, so the secret sauce, and this actually came to me in the U.S. as pleasure cooker as well as yes. I was stewing one morning. But uh, the secret sauce that I feel to, whether it be financial success, whether it be work su success, whether it be relationship success, success with your kids, is resistance. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. So resistance, just like we know in the gym, you can't put on any weight unless you lift heavier weights. You can't become, you can't learn a language without practicing it. You can't learn an instrument without dialing it in and spending the time. So Megan. Well, and I was going to, today, so we, we've all been through seminars, classes, all of that about goal setting and creating habits. So we're not going to dive into that necessarily. I think that's a different episode. Different episode right there. But um, we're going to focus on what is the engine that drives results. So meaning you set your goal. So whatever that is, we're not going to go through that. We're, we're talking about the resistance. Like that is the engine that's driving, like the motor behind it to get results. Yeah, because essentially a goal is just this arbitrary thing. It could be... Um, I 
I want to get in shape, but without the dedication of going to the gym, that'll never happen. So I'm going to, somehow I've been designated as the nerd here. Nerd. (laughs) Nerd, nerd, nerd. Anyway, uh, when we started talking about this and kind of writing out some notes on what we wanted to do, this is actually, we do actually prepare, right? We do. There's, it's totally not shot off the hip. Maybe a little bit. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We both do have BS degrees, right? BS. Yeah. So the first thing I wanted to talk about is the law of entropy. And uh, really to break that down, the law of entropy essentially states that there's a lack of order or predictability and that everything will gradually decline into disorder. It's kind of like uh, I pulled some chairs out of our kids' rooms today, and even though they were maybe clean last week, uh, the law of entropy has uh, has hit their rooms and everything has blown up. So with that, it is really that everything will break down over time. You leave a building vacant, the, ro- the roof goes, it ends up collapsing, it ends up falling down. You stop mowing your lawn, the forest takes over, and you have trees and bushes and grass. Everything will eventually fall to this order. And the only thing that keeps that order together is pushing against it, which is resistance, like putting, putting your shoulder into it and actually pushing and working against entropy to create uh, organization and create consistency. Yeah. So right now, um, with our second, well, I'd it, say we're trying to teach this to all of our yes, kids. Yes, yeah. all of our kids, but um, our second, um, she, we, we love her dearly. But um, we are trying. This is a lesson that we're trying to drill into her because let's talk about a room. Oh. <laughs> Her room is actually a sitting room. I call her bed a uh, fainting couch, like back, like a parlor. Yes. Yes. We have no clue how it gets she, dirty. She, she entertains her guests when they come to visit. Like yes. when her friends come over, she definitely entertains her guests in the parlor. Yes. But uh, as far as sleeping goes, that that does not occur in that room. Yeah, but she, we like to um, use the analogy that she explodes. She like, scatters sunshine. If yeah, you will. it's like you go in the kitchen. There's like no. Like, there's little signs of her everywhere. Kitchen, bathroom, guest room. Nightstand. My office. Guest bedroom. Our bedroom. Car. <laughs> Living room. <laughs> yeah. Backyard. Um, yeah. So, um, with our second, she is really good if it's something that she wants to do. Like, if we say, hey, go clean your room. She, if she wants to organize her sweaters, like, she loves sweaters. That thing, like, it will be organized. Color-coded. Yeah. But if it's something that she doesn't want to do, it's like Quinn said, that the law of entropy, entropy is it, it like... It explodes. It, it explodes. goes to disorder. And we are trying to use that analogy of, like, hey, if you do little things every day, like, hey, I had a piece of candy, and instead of throwing the wrapper on the floor. Well, that's the obvious place you would put it, right? Yeah. You know, put it in the trash can so that it doesn't add up. And then over um, at the end of the week, you know, where su- Sunday rolls around, you're not like, oh, I got to go down there and spend a good hour and a half. Like that's it, where she's at right now. It's not an insurmountable yeah. task. Yeah. Where if, if she learns that and she learns to push against entropy, then it will be something simple. So- with that being said, if we're talking about kids, okay, and this doesn't niños. even niños, if you will, uh, this doesn't even have to be kids. This could be if you had a dog, or and you're just essentially trying to get them dialed in. So if you have a new puppy, or if you have kids, 
resistance is something that's totally normal. If you think about a kid's life, every day is completely packed solid with resistance, meaning they go to school, they have to learn a new subject. They come home, they usually have sports, they're being taught a new drill. They are being drilled on fundamentals. When it comes down to homework, you're working with them or reading with them and pushing them to learn more. So as a kid, you're really just pre-programmed, or I should say you're, you're set up that just all of life is a degree of resistance. Well, and I think as a parent, you're like, oh, my kid is really excelling in football. I want to hire a coach that is going to work with them so that they're going to be faster. They're creating resistance in that. Then they're working on that. And I think what happens a lot of times is we get older. And What? Yeah, it happens. <laughs> but um, we, we get older, and I like to use the analogy of the quitters. Ooh, don't yeah. don't tempt me, guys. This is uh, <laughs> boy. We move from uh, PG thirteen, and we we're pushing into the uh, R real fast with yeah, the quitters. Yeah. So let me tell you about the quitters. The analogy. So the quitters. Um, I did CrossFit for years with um one of my friends. Angel used this term, and it has been ongoing. And she she would call it her quitters. At the end of the day, you would come home. Right. And you're like, I am not going out. I'm not going to see another human. So I'm putting my quitters on. That means the bra's coming off, like the big t shirt, whatever it may be, you're putting your quitters. You're yeah, quitting the, the day. Just just to all you fellas out there, the bra coming off is not coming off in a good way. Yeah. It's just I'm probably wearing an oversized t shirt. Yes. Yeah. Or a, a definitely a hooded sweatshirt. And those sweatpants are tied solid, like it's like a triple bow line. <laughs> yeah. Right? So, um, so a lot of times when we become adults, we um move into the quitters. Yeah, we move in, meaning that you're like, okay, I've hit a point in my career where, okay, this is as good as it's going to get. Or you stop adding resistance, you plane out, and so you're basically you walked in the house, you put your quitters on, and you're like, this is it. You're not adding any resistance and you're do, you know, with your kids, you're constantly pushing, Hey, let's work on your spelling words. Let's do this. Let's read that book. I want you to be a better reader. And I think a lot of times you're like, mm, that's not me. I don't like doing that. So we just put those quitters on and th that's it. Like we're, there's no resistance that's added. I get it. I mean, there's, there's part of it. Like, so I mean, don't get me wrong. I like it. Like <laughs> <laughs> like some good quitters. So Megan has uh, beguiled me not once, not twice. I'm not talking about our kids. I was like, not, there's not, for sure three not, times. Not three times, not not four times, not five times, not six times, but maybe seven times to run a marathon with her. Yeah, after the last one, he threw his shoes in the dumpster I and said there never was, again. there was a quote of F this, I'm not doing this ever again. Yeah, and he said <laughs> Don't ever ask don't me. Don't ever again. ask. No, the shoes went into some canal in San Diego. Yeah, I don't even think it was a because dumpster. I got free Spenko sports sandals, and that's the only thing that got me through it because yeah. I knew when I finished, I got Spenko sports sandals. Yeah. So there is that point of in your life, you do go through so much resistance, whether it be the college years, uh, the beginning of your relationship, uh, moving, having children, um, changing jobs, trying out, maybe going back to school. There's all this resistance and then you get done and it's kind of that feeling at the end of the marathon where you throw your shoes <laughs> into the canal Ooh. and say, yeah, well, I'm out of here. And, uh, and you start to settle down and say, 
you know what? I, I'm done with this resistance stuff. And as Megan said, it's like, it's like you start to plane out. And I think a great analogy of this is water skiing. So if you, if you water ski, wakeboard, there's this point where you hold on for dear life and you're being drowned. And if you have to be the water enema, <laughs> the water enema, yeah. yeah, for, for Megan, she pops right out. But for, uh, but for me, who's a uh, stout about 207 pounds, it's, uh, then that engine takes a little bit to get me out of the water. So I'm, I'm, I'm being, I'm a bit of a waterboard subject for, from the CIA for about what seems like a few minutes as I'm coming out of the water. So, but once that boat pulls, you plane out, you get up on the surface and all that resistance is gone. And especially if it's a nice glassy day out at Powell, if you will, you know, you're, you're cruising along, you're cutting, you're feeling great. And that's a nice place to be, but that's your growth stops there. So you plane out. And I, I feel as parents, there are times too, where because the experiences that we've gone through, we've, suffered it's been hard it's been difficult there are times where we try and shield our children maybe even a little too much from the resistance that we had growing up where it's almost crazy to think because that's that's what made you you and that's what made me me well and I think when you have little little kids and my my whole family makes fun of me about this because one of my favorite parts and I and you know, I'm going to go full Disney nerd on this one, but um, yeah, I know. Yeah, he's looking at me. <laughs> anyway, but one of my favorite lines is in Finding Nemo, okay? And whatever the story, all of that, but I love the turtle when it's the little kid and he's kind of like going out into the water and I'll always say it to Quinn, let's see what the little dude can do. And I think a lot of times there's like your kid on the monkey bars, you'll go and you're like, oh, they could fall. They could do, you know, they could, all this could happen. You got to see what the little dude can do. Mm. Yeah. And so, but I think that it, it starts getting more bigger things. Like when your, your kids get older there, there's more resistance and there's harder things that they make uh, the choice. And I think a lot of times you're there to guide and help them. But if they don't go through those those moments of resistance and hold them back, because it, it is heart wrenching as a parent sometimes because of that fear of like, hey, like these are the things that could happen. Not to uh, hopefully this doesn't uh, violate a patent on candy, but I'm going to say now or later. Now, <laughs> yeah, yeah, delicious. Yeah. <laughs> I like the raspberry ones. They are uh, quite chewy. They're no high chew, but anyway, uh, the the point of trying to shield your children from resistance really comes down to it's going to happen now or it's going to happen later. So if you don't expose your kids to that resistance, it'll ha- it, that same type of resistance will hit them later on in life and they'll, learn, they'll have to learn how to deal with it. For example, our daughter, uh, she decided to change schools and it wasn't over anything else but academics. And it was an incredibly difficult thing for her to do of saying, I'm leaving this warm nest of everybody I know, total comfort level, and I'm striking out and going to a whole new school where I don't know anyone, although she ended up knowing somebody there, but uh, (laughs) I, I don't know anyone just so I can focus on what I want, what my real goals really are. And that for her as a 
13-year-old at the time, incredibly difficult. Incredible. And yeah, it was one that there was times that uh, talking to Quinn, I'm like, well, I want to shield her. I want to change this. But I think sitting down and having those conversations, it was like, okay, I need to understand your why, but also um, walking through and helping. And there's a lot of confidence that comes in that, like your, your child making those hard decisions. You're right there alongside. It's not like, oh, just go do whatever you want to do, but be alongside and help them through the process of it so that they they can always look back being like, this has been so hard, but I, I believe in the process because they were part of it. Also let them know that it's not easy what they're doing and what they're doing is awesome, right? And what they're doing is hard and they'll grow from it, but I, I don't think sugarcoating it of saying like, hey, just get over it or this shouldn't be that big of a deal. You know, more along the lines of come at it of saying, Hey, I'm really impressed. This is this is this is this is some heavy lifting, right? This is you're you're getting after it. So I don't want to just keep throwing around the ambiguous term of resistance because at some point it's it's start starting to feel stale. So I want Megan to talk a little bit about what resistance feels like and what it is because you know, we have it in every part of our life, but uh, let, let's kind of talk into what your experience has been. And then you have a unique outlook on this because more from the physical side of things, because you've been really able to help people recognize what it is and then how to push through it. Yeah. So um, a lot of times when you hear analogies, people will use um, anything with resistance growth. They'll always use um, sports, usually something physical. So I'm going to start there with what I know, like Quinn said. So for 16 years, I have um, worked as a personal trainer, either coaching, training one-on-one, big groups, sports teams, you name it, all across the board. And so um, resistance is always my number one goal in training. And so a lot of times um, I've worked with a lot of clients where they'll start and I will get a text or a call a weekend or after the first session and they will say, I'm broken. And I'm like, okay, well, let's talk about it. And they're like, no, like I went to go sit on the toilet and, and my quads, like you broke my quads. And I'll be like, well, we did a lot of squats yesterday and we're building strength and you, you haven't been doing those. And so a lot of times, um, a lot of, a lot of uh, clients realizing their potential and that the fact that it wasn't going to, there's no just easy drug to take and boom, you have muscles or boom, you've lost weight. It's, there has to be that resistance that is involved. And I think that resistance has to do with going to a dark place. Yeah. And so I've had clients, uh, one client in particular, um, she, I started with her in her weight loss journey and she could barely walk on the treadmill and she lost a lot of weight. And I remember one time showing up and she was having a woe me day and it was, I just haven't made any ground or anything. And I was like, okay, you think that, you know, yeah. Well, how can you just briefly say how long you've been training this person? I trained her for probably almost three years. Yeah, almost three years in the process. Um, this came about probably 18 months in. Mm. And she had lost at that point about 50 pounds. Yeah, and, and you know, just like anything, when you're starting from a difficult point, you can lose a ton of weight or you can 
gain a great skill, but you're not quite all the way there yet. And it can be frustrating. Yeah. So she wasn't necessarily seeing those large scale like victories. So that day in particular where she was like, I don't see any change. She was having a well me moment. We all have them. So I was like, okay, let's do this. And she's like, okay, what are we doing? I'm like, I'm changing what we're doing on the workout today. And I handed her two 25 pound dumbbells and I had her do stair repeats up her stairs, down her stairs until the point where she's like, I can't hold on to this weight anymore. And what you were, what were you trying to represent on that? I was trying to represent every pound that she had lost. Yeah. So I think there's, there's a, there's a point in life where we always focus on finish lines where we start to give up and we feel like the secret sauce isn't worth the uh, Chick-fil-A nuggets. <laughs> so, they are delicious. Yeah, they are delicious. But we start to feel like, hey, I've put in all this resistance. I've worked, and everybody's been there on, on one thing or another, whether it be a career or whether it be physical goals or any other goals that, hey, I've put in all this effort and it's just not happening for me. And a lot of times it's, you know, and that's why I tell this story about this client is a lot of times you've come so far that sometimes you never take a look in the rear view mirror. And that was that for her that day is to have that, like, I used to carry this everywhere I went. And this client, you know, it was a defining moment for her. And we, at the end, were redefining her goals. And she went on to run a half marathon. I mean, this is someone that could not walk for five minutes. And that was something that she set for herself. But it was, she almost needed to take a look and be like, oh my gosh, I have had, I've worked so hard to this point. I'm going to keep going. Well, and I think we're pre-programmed to feel as if there should be this ticker tape banner parade when we hit a goal where, as you just stated, if we're looking out the window and we're enjoying the view, we can see how far we've gone. You know, look at that, look at that uh, odometer, if you will, and track your mileage. So the resistance you're putting in, it may be the fact that you may not say, well, I feel like I look so much better with my shirt off or whatever. It might be, I get up the stairs and feel a thousand times better than I did before. Or I just went out and uh, played basketball. That That's a bad one. Yeah. You're, I mean, <laughs> Quinn grew up playing hockey and when, when we were dating, I was like, let's go play horse. And he's like, I'm really bad. Not kind of, sort of. And when we went out, I was like, how is this humanly possible that someone is this bad yeah, at basketball? Well, so, but it, it's looking at that, looking out your window, watching your odometer and, and seeing where you've gone and seeing, okay, well, I've actually traveled a great distance. So sometimes, you know, starting is, can be difficult or sometimes seeing where you're at can be difficult, but sometimes resistance comes in a form that you weren't expecting at all. And so... For us, um, like I said, our goal is to be honest with you guys. And so uh, there's a high degree of exposure here and vulnerability. But I want to talk about one of the most difficult resistance times we've hit as as a couple and as a family. And, and I think personally, personally too. Personally, too, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I do feel that there's probably a huge degree of people out here listening that went through the exact same thing. And... Hopefully, one of the things that we can bring to you guys is when, when you go through difficult times, whether it be the, the loss of a loved one or a loss of a job or you're, suff you're suffering with something difficult, the hardest thing about those moments are you're going through it, but the whole rest of the world is going along doing just fine. And so hopefully, 
you know that in a, in a room of 10 people, there's probably seven people that are going through something and they're having a very difficult time just trying to make things work. So you're not alone. So with that being said, I wanted to talk about uh, probably our most defining resistance moment that we've ever For had. For sure. So let me spin you a yarn. Yes. <laughs> my my so, needle's out. I'm yes. spinning it. So the year was 2008. Yeah. And we happened to be living in Las Vegas, which uh, if any of you were either in Phoenix, California, or Las Vegas around 2008. That year is going to mean a lot. That, that year is going <laughs> to that year's gonna hit off like a bunch of casino bells going ding, 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 ding. And uh, you're, the, the recession it may or may not come to come to mind uh, it might have just kicked you in yeah, the balls yeah i may have just yeah. <laughs> straight up uh yeah straight up punter kick to the genitalia yeah so we were going along uh both had very successful careers we had just built our dream house we had just had this awesome patio port we had a beautiful house with a courtyard in the middle with an outdoor fireplace had this beautiful stamp patio would go out and listen to toots in the Maytals and unwind at the end of the day. It was great. Yeah. Was- and, and really we went, um, buying this house is we kind of followed the pattern of what they said was we bought our first house. We put money down on that. We made a lot of money. We put a lot of money down on our second and we, you know, we came with what they would say on paper was a significant amount of money. Yeah. And so we were like, okay, this is the house where if we're to stay in Vegas, we're going to raise our kids. And it was well within our, you know, what we could afford. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So as time went on, um, the job market started drying up. Sales got to be harder and harder. Um, just like many people experience pay cuts, commission cuts, all of that to, so these companies, so companies could stay afloat. And, you know, we weren't, uh, we weren't spared on that. And so it got to the point of saying, Hey, this is getting pretty difficult to live the same lifestyle and be here. We, we need to look for an option. Well, we ended up having to take, take a job out in California. And, and, and to add to that, we had just had our, our number two, <laughs> like had her made the decision that week and moved when she was eight weeks old, six weeks, old, six weeks, old, six weeks yeah. old. Yeah. So, we, uh, unfortunately we had put a significant amount of money down on our house, but we were more than, more than half the value, our house had devalued by more than half of what we had paid for it. And they, they were saying that, um, for anyone to break close to even was 30, 20, tw- 25, 30, 25, 30 years, years yeah, for, of being in your house yeah, to have it, to have it bounce back. So we ended up short selling our house. Um, no judgment here. It just was what it was. And uh, moved to California, and it was extremely difficult. And the the job I took, I I don't know if I could have worked any harder as far as resistance goes. I buckled down, buried myself in it, and uh, worked extremely, extremely hard, but it just wasn't panning out. And then uh, a job opportunity popped up in Utah, and so we ended up leaving California and moving there and starting over was a very humbling experience packed with resistance. And it was an interesting moment in life to say, okay, here I am at this point in my career where on paper I'm where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. You were in upper management. Yeah. And, like, then sitting, yeah. and then saying, boy, I've got all this debt 
and I need to be responsible with the debt. And the debt wasn't big screen TVs. It was diapers and formula and, and survival. I mean, at that point um, where we were at, um, we, we were renting. We weren't able to buy. And um, it was one of those that we had sat down and figured out, okay, this is how we're going to get out of this hole together. Um, we got in this together. We're going to get out of it together. And I took a job. Um, I have a college degree. And I've worked, you know, really high end jobs as a personal trainer. And I got a job at a running shoe store because it was two to three hours at a time and I could work in the evenings. And I'm I'm not discounting that job because I'm so grateful, but people, I would be working with like 16 year old kids and they're like, wait, you have your degree. Like, what are you doing here? And I would just straight up tell them, I'm like, this is grocery money. Like this is what is buying the groceries for our kids. So there was a lot of humility that came with that resistance too. I can remember there was a young couple and they meant really well. So no judgment there, but they said, oh, you guys are renting, huh? And it was, you know, we had lived in this gorgeous dream house that, you know, our kid rode (laughs) their tricycle around it. I mean, just awesome, awesome house to go back to renting this kind of mid eighties. Yeah. Like needed a lot of work, a lot, a lot of work, like blob, but we knew that if we paid the price and put the resistance down, we could get to where we needed to. So our whole- and, and I mean, also back up of at that time, how did you, how do we pay for clothes for kids? Because <laughs> I feel like this is good this to is know. Good. Yeah. So um, I've, I've got a band, like I mentioned, uh, you guys, our intro and outro music is a song called Story County that I wrote with the QBP. But, but at that time I was playing in a band, which is our bowling league for it's a bunch of middle-aged guys who, who love to play some rock and roll and we'll have to have the boys on because they're, for sure. they're, they're a good time. But I was, we were paying for back to school. We were paying for braces, everything from gigs I was playing. Yeah. I would tell him, I'm like, Hey, I put, put pants on baby boy and he grew. I'd be like, let me book a gig. Yeah. And so he it would already be spent. He would come home with the cash and be like, okay, hey, go buy the kids like the clothes they need. And that, and uh, we tell you this story because it is one that there was even setting up utilities to everything you can think of was a very humbling experience from going from being like, oh, you can qualify for whatever to, oh, now you're going to have to pay twice the deposit because we don't trust you. Yeah. And it, so it sucked. Yeah. And you know, the, the great thing about it, and we'll, we'll get into how we got out of it. I mean, the great thing is we got out of it. You know, we, you know, we were able to pay back everything we needed to, but it was a difficult thing. And Megan, I want you to talk about the whole bucket analogy. All right. So we've, we've exposed to probably one of our, it's not as naked as running yes, <laughs> being on not a skateboard as, yeah. in the quad, but, but, um, Anyway, so the bucket. At that point, I will tell you, it was probably one of the most stressful, hard times. And so I like to think of it as a bucket. There was moments during those years that I felt like Quinn and I and our little kids were at the bottom of a bucket and we were taking our nails, trying to dig it into the sides. So if you've seen like the Home Depot bucket, they're slick, right? And so it was one of those that if we just kept trying to claw, we weren't going to get anywhere. So it was um, more that we had to build a ladder. And it wasn't something that was just the ladder came. It had to be like one rung at a time to build. 
And I think that rung at a time has to do with resistance. So each rung was a different level of resistance. I think the first rung really was, we're kind of screwed right now. <laughs> yeah, know? I think it's, you know, it's having, the res- yeah. having the resistance of being able to be honest and say, okay, we need to start. Then there was the, okay, we're starting. Like, let's let's get our budget together. Let's get this figured out. Let's and, go. And then also looking at like, like I said, like working at the shoe store, you using band money. Yeah, um, it's another to, another rung in the ladder. Yeah, of like, okay, this is something that it might not be huge gains, but it was huge. Where it was, hey, we can buy groceries. Um, I think that looking at it in, you know, the physical sense that we're people, you know, because resistance with weight loss, I think it is like your first rung is knowing that you want to make a change. The second rung, go buy a new outfit, man. Like go to Lulu, have it delivered and say, wait, this new outfit like this. Wait, you've totally seen this <laughs> you've before. You've seen this outfit. That, that seems to be a. I feel like that's my signature. Yeah, anytime Megan walks out with something new, I'm like, hey, is that new? She's like, oh, no, you, you, you've totally seen this you've before. You've totally seen this. Um, and then part of it is, you know, finding a neighborhood friend to go on a walk with get outside and then maybe join a gym. That's another rung. And then um, you like overcome self-doubt, like do something that if it's looking at a spin class and going, oh, that, that is downright terrifying is walking through the door and trying it. Well, and that's just it. We were able to dig ourselves out of that hole, out of the recession, stay together, actually have some great stories, some fun times. And yeah, did it suck? It sucked balls. It was terrible. But <laughs> we we're able to come out of it by building a realistic ladder. We didn't say, okay, well, we're just going to do this and it's going to fix this. It was one level of resistance at the time. And like you were talking about with fitness, I think a perfect example of this is especially around Christmas time, you start seeing all these ads on TV for a Peloton. Yeah, and, and we, a Peloton is, we're a huge yeah, fan. Yeah, Peloton, treadmill, kind of all the same thing, right? So you see all these ads and you're like, man, if I just had that, that would take the resistance away from going to a gym. So I, so in order to really build that resistance ladder, if you're thinking I'm going to get in shape by buying one of these, instead of throwing money at it, say, okay, well, I'm first going to join a gym and commit myself to going to spin class for a month. Because if you go to spin class for a month and you get, past that barrier of the pain of going, I can ride a bike for an hour, then your odds of saying, okay, buying a treadmill or buying a Peloton, I'll actually use it, go up by 100%. Whereas if you weren't doing that- If you weren't, if it's nothing that you've ever been into. Yeah, if it wasn't your thing, then the odds are if it turning into something you're going to hang clothes on or collect dust and selling it on Craigslist a few years later is going to go up dramatically. So I think you really- in order to be successful, need to build realistic rules. Well, and it's even going back to being a personal trainer. I had a client, a 5 a.m. client for years. And I remember one time um, we would have track uh, what you would eat. And it would be like, hey, I'm going, you know, through fast food every single day and getting, you know, the burger, the fry, the milkshake. And it stuck with me one time she said, I am paying you, so I should be losing weight. And it doesn't work that way. It doesn't. And it, I mean, it would like, man, I'd be a millionaire if people were just throwing money and I just like click my fingers and boom, goals were made. But it was one that I am there to create the resistance. You are either going to join in and make those decisions. I, so. I, I think someone wise once said money doesn't buy happiness, but it sure buys trips to Mexico. Yeah. And I think that was you. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So we want to get into what I feel the three layers of resistance are. So in, like I said, instead of just talking about it as an ambiguous term, I want to talk about resistance being more of a verb, more of an action. And that first thing is starting. Okay. So the destroying angel, it is Sunday yeah. that we're recording this. So yes, it is. The destroying angel of resistance is fear. First off, being afraid to do something. And then second off, pain. And when I mean pain, I'm talking about, you know, it's going to hurt. Like, for example, if you set a tight budget, you know, it's going to hurt. You know, if you're say, hey, I'm training for a triathlon, you're like, yeah, that that's going to suck. Like or it's... it's- Hey, like both Quinn and I kicked drinking Diet Coke. Yeah. But I mean, it was the kind of deal like it was getting out of control and it sucked for two freaking weeks, like headache, withdrawals, all of that. So, so the first thing I'd like to say about starting is just start. Uh, That's like with this podcast, our first episode wasn't perfect. Our mic volumes were off all of that, but we just started. So the main thing on starting is having a clearly defined goal or dream. So when your dreams and goals are vague, it's extremely simple to rationalize away any resistance. So if you're like, Hey, I, I just want to, I just want to run a marathon. I don't know when, I don't know how, but I just kind of want to do it. You might run for a week and then that's that because it's vague. And so once that resistance and that pain sets in, you're done, you're out. And I will say number one thing that drives me to make my goals as far as physical and Quinn knows this, is it something that scares the ever living daylights out of me. And one is triathlons. Not that we're going to go way into that, but if I can swim, anyone can swim. Like I do not love water. And so it's one, like set a goal. Like it was not vague. It wasn't like, Oh, I would love to do a triathlon. It was like, I got to do this. And that fear of getting in the pool was enough where I was like, I'm going to drown if not. <laughs> yeah. He's laughing. Cause I, I honestly, if I can swim, you can swim. Okay. So let's talk about starting and the one so I want to talk about something we did with our kids that was a whole lot of resistance. Yeah, so. <laughs> so when our kids, when we moved to Utah, we went, so Megan and I, Megan grew up in Reno, Tahoe area and skied a ton. Um, I was the kid growing up in Iowa that had a subscription, the ski magazine and just wanted to ski. And, and you skied on like an ice. That was in Minnesota. Mini yeah. little hill. In, yeah. in, in Minnesota. So. We wanted to ski. And so when we, and we were big skiers through college, snowboarders, I snowboard, we, you know, we went down to South America on the off seasons and we'd go snowboard and ski down there. And, uh, then life happened. We lived in the desert and California. And so then when we moved back to Utah after our first year, we're like, we, our kids were little, but the next year we're like, we got to get our kids skiing. So we said, okay, we're gonna do this. And, and they were little, little like our, we started off and our Logan wasn't even, was he a year? Yeah, about a year. And I feel like now we, our kids can ski anything and everything. Oh yeah. But it wasn't without paying the price. Yeah, it was the ultimate price where people constantly come up because they'll see now, they see the picture of us walking out. All the kids have their skis on their shoulders. They're putting their own skis on their boots. They're loading them, getting on the chairlift. Like they're rallying. And they're like, oh my gosh, 
I would love for that to happen. Yeah, but, but, and I, Quinn and I are like, oh my gosh, that, that six, was, seven that years was of not hell. without like uh, total breakdowns, yelling. Um, we had one episode where we showed up to the resort. We were going night skiing and uh, two of our three children defecated. One, <laughs> it just, yeah. It I, was, I didn't even get my ski boots it was, on. It, it was, was like. A, it was poo palooza before we even got there, our little guy ran off. And anyway, it was the kind of, I just looked at Quinn. I'm like, we're we're loading up. We're going home. But, (laughs) but we, but we absolutely tried, but now we're at a point where the kids are getting good, which is dialed in a whole nother level of resistance. And Megan, do you want to tell the story about the uh, Olympic downhill? Ooh. So Olympic downhill, we like to refer to this in our house. Of tears of infinite sadness. They're so salty and They're delicious. Salty and delicious. Okay, so I grew up. Um, I like Quinn said by Reno, like in Reno. So I grew up skiing at a small hill called Sky Tavern, and it was amazing. I went through a whole program where it taught me how to ski all different levels, and then once you are at the end, you test out to be an instructor. So you kind of give back to the program, and so. Just right here, right now, I refuse to pay for lessons for something that I'm like, I can do. But after this experience, maybe I should have questioned that. So our oldest was kind of able to ski, and um, but she was skiing totally in the pizza, like, you know, pizza shaped. And she'd be like, I could ski everything, you know, and all of this. And there was a day where she was like, not like I was trying to talk her through her turns, how to link them. Planting the pole, turning yeah. around. And she looks at me, she's like, I know, I know, I know. And I was like, hey, your teacher went to school to teach you math, right? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, if she was at the board going over a math problem, would you say, I know, I know, I know? She's like, no. And I'm like, well, I went to school to teach skiing. So, you know, whatever. And she's like, I can ski everything. And I was like, oh, child, you're going to challenge me. And so I said, okay, so, um, local mountain right by us is snow basin. And so it is where the Olympic downhill was for the Olympics when it was in Salt Lake. Yeah. And just so you guys know the start of the Olympic downhill, it's kind of like if you've ever seen uh, better off dead and they get up to the K2. Yeah. Yeah. uh, So she, so our daughter, it's about a 70% grade. Yeah. It's, it's it's scary. So anyway, she's like, I could ski that. And I was like, Oh, child. So I look at Quinn and I was like, you got the other two? He's like, I got it. So we went up there and she's just kind of like, "Mm, not listening, you know, all of this. And we get to the top and she looks down and it is so steep. And she looks at me and she's like, there's no way that I'm going to ski this. And I was like, oh, you ready to listen? And she's like, what? And I said, I'm going to take you turn by turn because you can't cheat your way down this hill. And I think the way she describes it is, I felt my tears freezing to my face. She literally did. She had these frozen (laughs) tears down her face, but it took us probably two hours to make it down. There was a lot of tears, but she can ski anything and everything. And for her, I will say, don't necessarily do this with all your kids, but she is our most stubborn bullheaded kid where it was adding that resistance and for her it's it's a family favorite to tell the story about the frozen tears yeah but really dialing into the reason why we're telling the ski story is a lot of people say it's just too difficult to get your kids out start if you want to start a fitness goal go ahead start 
just start. It doesn't have to be perfect. If you want to learn an instrument, just start. It That's the first layer of resistance that you have to have. So the second layer of resistance or the second principle of resistance or layer, if you will, that I would say is you need to stretch. And when I mean stretch, I'm not talking about the stretchy pants. Are we talking about yoga? The downward dog? <laughs> I, I can do squats in my ABC pants. Yeah. And and he did do broga, which is <laughs> like a male yoga class. And he got the award of being the most flexible. And I am so unflexible. Yeah. He came up and was like, I got the award for being the most flexible. And I was like, that is scary. That, that's that's really scary. <laughs> so the second layer of resistance, I would say, is you got to stretch. So you start, which is just you, if it's, if it's running, you lace up your shoes and go. Or if it's you want to become better at your career, you start downloading books, you start listening. But the second one is actually adding a level of resistance in, which is the stretch. And I think that by that stretch, that's adding it the next rung. Like where you're reaching up out of that bucket where it's simple steps, but it's going to get you closer and closer moving out of that, that bottom of the bucket feeling. So, um, I've asked Quinn to share a personal story, but I'm, I'm going to start off, um, because this is like one of those like moments in my life. So Quinn and I had been dating probably a few months and, um, let's just say I had so much fun my freshman year of college. So much fun that my great time, right? Yeah. So much fun that the dean of the college became my best friend. Mm, that's fun. Yeah. And um just fun fact, my family also likes to make fun of me is I failed music 101. Quinn didn't know that till after we were married. I held that at like a lock secret. And somehow, Megan, every <laughs> instrument, if they had to do instrument identification, was a tuba. And every I'm like, time. finally, I'm like, if it's not a Sousa song. Or it's not marching band or Mexican ranchero music. There is not a freaking tuba in the song. Yeah. So um, I realized that maybe I not having a music background needed to go to class. So anyway, I had this moment where I was sitting down with Quinn. We were dating and I was just like totally complaining. And I was just like, school is so hard. Like, you know, this Dean and people just don't understand. I have a harder time learning. And he's like, no, I, I, I get it. And I was like, no, no, you don't like here I am. Like I'm on academic probation. You would never understand how hard it is. And he kept being like, yeah, I, I, I kind of do. And I was like, finally, I was like, stop just saying that. And he was like, well, I grew up with a severe learning disability. And I was like, what? And he's like, I'm dyslexic and it's been a challenge. Like I go, I get help all the time. And I was like, oh, like it was a moment of just being like, okay. Like I, uh, it kind of put, it wasn't like he was rubbing it in, but, and he never ever, it's something he doesn't really ever use as a calling card. But I've asked him, I'm like, well, you share a little bit about it because. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It, it sucked. Right. So, you know, to be, to be a kid growing up and have that resistance of saying, Hey, like, I want to learn. I, I, I want to be considered one of the smart kids, but just struggling with learning how to do it or, you know, learning how to read. It wasn't as much of learning how to spell the words as it was memorizing almost a picture of how they looked and, and having to do that. And so everything and this isn't like, ooh look at me. This is cool because it sucked. But like but it was I had to learn my way to learn. 
And yeah, so sure. I had to build my own personal ladder to where it was a non-issue. And, you know, by the time I was midway through college, it was a non-issue. I had figured out how to build that ladder rung by rung, resistance by resistance. But every single time I had the stretch. And so... And I think, too, the impressive thing about Quinn was even in college, I mean, he worked so hard it was if there was something he didn't get he he had those resources like for me it was um college I had to learn how and when to ask and I think what you mean by resources is uh I had to figure out what my pathway was on how to learn it it was the subject matter was presented and I had to build the rungs of the ladder to learn, okay, what is my resistance? Okay, my resistance is learning this. Okay, how can I memorize this? How can I learn this and build that? So I learned those skills and that was what took me over the top. Yeah, and so Quinn, you know, coming from this situation, like I said, as my sophomore year, I had the ultimatum from Mr. Dean. And so um, I will say it was the first time in my life I really was like, okay, I got to buckle down. And I didn't, I hadn't developed those rungs. Like I just kind of believed in myself that that school wasn't my thing. And um, Quinn was the one that kind of changed that narrative. And so it was one that he was like, you, you know, you need to dedicate your time to be in the library. You need to, you know, be alone, not with the group. And yeah, so, you needed to be so, in the library. So, yeah. So, so I always had my time and I feel like he, there was like a reason behind it. So Quinn, tell him why, <laughs> like, he, so, so you had your own game plan of my studying in the library and it's <laughs> nothing sexual. I, I assure you it has no sexual connotation, but, uh, one of my favorite things in life to do, um, right there with watching sunrises and, you know, tub, the sitting tub. in the hot tub, Marinating. My, my children's love or what it, it is, uh, is scaring people. Uh, they're, <laughs> The sheer joy of getting like a good jump scare. Dude, I, I, okay. So there I would be in the library, you know, like, Hey, I'm being so studious and Quinn would sneak up and scare the ever living daylights out of me. Like enough. I got kicked out of the library multiple times, like multiple. One time I looked out and he was like on the outside ladder scaling up to go through this like fire door <laughs> And it almost became like an interference. I, I think the time I uh, I brought the air horn into the library. Yeah. Made- <laughs> yeah. And I got, every time I got kicked. Or, and then. Or the time in the listening lab where you had the headphones on and I, and I slapped the that desk. Was, that was music 101 <laughs> 2.0. Flew backwards and ripped the tape recorder off the wall. Yeah. And I, for some reason, he never got in trouble, but. <laughs> I was, well, that was resistance in and of itself, right? Like yes. I was teaching you how to, uh, how to stretch, how to stretch. stretch. Yeah. Okay. So our first layer of resistance <laughs> was, uh, starting our second layer was stretching. Okay. So figuring out wh- how to build those rungs of your ladder. And the third layer of resistance that I want to talk about is increase. Okay. So starting probably the most difficult. Yes, for sure. Identifying the process. Well, that's a little bit easier because you've started, but it really, your stretching has to do with staying with it. But when you start to plane out and get into a great situation, that's where increase happens. And what I mean by increase is, for example, 
you get to a point, just like I mentioned about water skiing, wakeboarding, wake surfing, or what have, what have you is you get, you get pulled out of the water and you've, you've had a whole lot of resistance, but you've planed out. So Megan, can you go into a little bit, kind of an analogy on what you feel like that increase means? All right. So an easy example of increase, right, is um, I, you know, it talks about being a personal trainer. I am also a running coach. So I have worked with multiple clients on marathon training. And um, so the marathon, it, it's one of those big goals across the board. I'm not doing another I know. I, this you is, cannot <laughs> use this your, use your womanly, guile. wildly Jezebel ways to... <laughs> yes. uh, so anyway, so there are so many people that will come and they're like, hey, I've ra- ran five marathons and, you know, sit down, talk to them about their finish time and what they've done before. And it, it's almost like there's this pre-described like, hey, it's got to be this number. It's got to be the same mile pace. And yes, it does to a certain point, but they're not doing anything in that workout in the training program to add resistance besides mileage. I'm not saying that mileage isn't resistance, but it's the fact that they're not doing speed work. They're doing nothing to see themselves get faster. And with runners, I'm one of them, but um, we get you, we get so used to the brag of the number of the mile. And so I changed my tune years ago of what is the quality of that mile? Because you can run a mile and a half and you're doing sprints And that is way harder. And I would rather run 10 miles slow, but that mile and a half where you're going to an increase of speed that is overall going to create a faster mile pace over time. And so that is where I like to start with a lot of people, you know, using that marathon is let's start small and grow big with the small increments of an increase. So what I think you're saying there is You've already gone through the start and the stretch by actually doing the marathon. Now you're saying, let's get you fast. Yeah. So instead of saying, hey, you've been able to survive this, this is where the secret sauce really... Yeah. This this is where you really dip the nugget in the barbecue sauce. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's one of those that just coaching on the regular is I get people all the time that find their comfortable pace. Um, one of my besties, we always joke cause she, I'll walk up, I'll stand right behind her when she's on the treadmill and she gives me this two finger shake cause she knows. I thought it was a one finger shake well, or is that the one I, I, I give th- you? Yeah, that's you- the one you do. But I think she's secretly wanting to flip me off, but it, it's kind of become a joke cause she, I don't even have to verbally say, but she knows that there needs to be an increase because that is where that growth is going to come. That's fantastic. And I will say from a work environment, uh, and working with sales guys, everybody gets to a point and it's, it's like running or golfing is you develop a skill and you learn how to be good at the skill, but it's more of a survival skill. It's like a golf swing. And I hate to even use this reference because I'm such a bad golfer. Happy Gilmore. Happy Gilmore. <laughs> <laughs> if I could fight alligators, I'd be a lot better yeah. off. But, uh, but people learn how to swing to play 18 holes but very few people learn how to do it well. So they've started, they've stretched, they've been able to get it to where, hey, I'm I'm an okay golfer, but their fundamentals are wrong. And and the same goes for salespeople is I'll work with guys that are great sales guys with great numbers, but I can see the way they're working is not necessarily the most efficient or the most productive for their time. For example, they could have a client that's 
sucking up 90% of their time and they're making no money off of them. And even on paper, they're like, oh, this is a million dollar client. In all reality, with the margin and with the returns and everything else, they're almost in the negative. So just working with them and seeing that, and that's where the increase happens, is people people can see, okay, I know how to do this. I'm in it. And break out of that comfort zone. And that's really, as far as justifying the effort goes, almost all of us are in that we've planed out on the water ski the quitters. The quitters. You've put the quitters Are you on. The quitters on. You, well, you've double bow lined them. So, and I, I will say with Quinn, like years, a few years ago, I, um, my bowling league was I learned to play tennis, and I would go play tennis against these old ladies that had, they learned the game, but then they worked on the minute things in their swing, like we, like Quinn talked about, and we would get creamed. By these ladies that barely moved. Yeah, they were barely walking. And here I was, I was like, I'm athletic. You know, like I should be winning. Um, but it was the fact that they had learned the game. They had started. They had stretched. They had learned. And then they were they definitely were learning how to be exact. And in that increase, they were continuing. So I want to challenge everybody out there in the uh, F word nation to wrap up each day and ask yourself and do this for a week, okay? And if it sticks, that's cool. If not, you, know, yeah, let you, us you know. can tell me to go pouncing. Yeah, no, but I but, mean, set one goal. But this is this has been something. Resistant. This has been something that I've tried to do when I go to the gym. It's for example, I hate burpees, but I end every workout with thirty burpees, no matter what. <laughs> and I hate leg day, but I never miss a leg day. That's my resistance. And now leg day is what my favorite day. Now is favorite. Yeah. So, so my challenge to everybody out there is ask yourself at the end of each day, what was my resistance? And if you say, I don't think I had any, that's okay if you're on vacation in Mexico, right? Yeah. Okay. But, but if you, if you're like, I, I really didn't challenge myself at all. And that could be instead of scrolling through your phone, you're reading a book, or that could be Instead of listening to music, you're listening to Audible or you're listening to a good podcast and you're, and you're learning. But ask yourself, where was your resistance? And if there wasn't resistance that day, well, make sure you start the next day and find some. So that's my challenge for all you guys. So Quinn, what, what is your adding resistance this week? Let's hear it. Oh, man. Because <laughs> oh, this sucks. And that's the thing is vocalizing oh, it sometimes. This sucks so bad, so bad. So Sometimes you don't want to say it. So when we were talking about this, we're like, okay, um, we got to walk the walk, which with Megan, that would be one, with leg, crutches. one leg elevated with crutchy. <laughs> And uh, Tiny Tim over here getting ready for the holidays. God bless us each God and every one. God bless us. Each and every one. <laughs> so uh, my resistance is uh, I met a dude named Tyler, and he uh, he got me all stoked about working on a couple different workout programs. And part of it was adding a little bit more cardio. So besides eating copious amounts of chicken and protein, my goal that I have to add in resistance, and this is my this is my uh, this is my increase because I'm already I've already started. Yep. I'm already pushing through the resistance. Is I'm going to get up at four thirty because I need to get a full half hour to forty five minutes and of some decent cardio mixed in with my weights. And so, as bad as that absolutely sucks, I'm going to do it. But I guarantee in a few weeks it won't hurt. Yeah. So Megan, 
Are you going to one-up me and do 3.30? Yeah, well, I've done 3.30 for years. So 4.30, that's child's play. No, so my adding resistance this week, um, this is one that took me a second. And um, just because, yeah, I, I'm kind of in a laid-up situation. Um, I spend normally majority of my time being active on my feet. Like, I'm not ever home. I'm like, what do people do? So mine is, I do not deal well with, um, having no plan. And so my, my adding resistance is going to be, is setting little things throughout my day to be productive, to keep my mind busy. So if that is, you know, right now today, honestly, was I'm going to shower and I'm going to braid my hair. Like that was one. And I changed the laundry like between, and I know Quinn would do it, but, um, it's small things. So I feel like I have those victories. Um, but starting my day with a few things that I want to do, if that is reading, if that is that, so I'm not just scrolling on my phone or watching TV or setting a time of saying, okay, I'm going to watch TV for an hour, but then I'm going to work on something to better myself. Use this time for growth. Um, and that where I'm going to better myself while I'm healing. One thing I, that you talked to me about that I think you forgot to mention is you were going to write this all out when you started every day. Yes. So, so write you, it down. So that way it's not just in my head where I can look at it because I am a very visual person. And I know that sounds ridiculous of like, I'm going to shower today, but right now that's where I'm at. And so that will become easier and my increase will change as I get, as I go through this healing process. Awesome. Well, hey, we are at about a little over an hour, so we need to get this thing wrapped up like a Christmas present, which I'm awesome at wrapping presents. No, Quinn isn't allowed to wrap one present. (laughs) And just, I can look at the Christmas tree and I'm like, "Mm, I can see my four presents because they look like a two-year-old rock. I actually have my children do it. Yeah, now they do them, but yeah. Um, So just just to recap here is... The secret sauce to success is resistance. I mean, you just can't have one without the other. Not, nothing comes easy. So when you're looking at a goal or a habit that you're trying to implement, remember that there's three layers of that resistance. There's starting, there's stretching, and there's increase. And then also, if your resistance means you're going through something terrible that sucks, It's, for example, I lost my dad this summer, which was terrible. And there was a whole lot of resistance that was, that accompanied that. And that'll, that'll be an episode in and of itself. But just know that there is a ladder that can be built and you're not at the bottom of that bucket and you're not at the bottom of that bucket alone. There are people that are there with you and build each rung by adding another layer of resistance and following that methodology of start stretching and increasing. Um, and, and don't underestimate how small of steps or wrong that is, because every little thing you might think it's not a big thing that will be adding just a layer upon layer as you are climbing out of that bucket or wherever you are adding that resistance. So no, it, it, there's not a measurement of resistance. It has to be, some of them are going to be big. Some of them are going to be tiny, minute that, that are non-scale victories. Well, and celebrate them. Yes. Yeah. I mean, celebrate the stretch. When you get there and you're you're overcoming things and you're making ground, celebrate that because that is absolutely amazing. Well, we're going to get things wrapped up here. I wanted to thank 
everybody for tuning in. Um, please share it. Please review us. We're now on all platforms. We're on Google. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple. We're on really anywhere where yeah. you want to get a podcast. You find us. We're everywhere. Yeah. So have a great week, everybody. Stay kind to each other. And uh, like I said, set a goal to do something hard. Namaste. Namaste.